0: We are in the last of this series on free and responsible. Now, if you weren't here for the beginning couple of weeks, we started out with these statements. You know, we started out by saying that we are not normal. We do not fit in. We are not the same as everyone else. We are not average. And that is the reality for us, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, if he is your Lord and King, you represent about 3% of the population of Canada. So you are not normal. 97% of the people around you are different. You know, and when, you say, when you go out into this world. When you come in here amongst, amongst fellow believers, you're normal, you know. But once you go out these doors, you're not. You're not normal. You don't fit in. You're not the same as everyone else. And you're not average. You're supernatural. You're overshadowed by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, our priorities, as we were talking about, they've got to be different. You know, we, our priorities are set by our King, Jesus. He's the one that sets our priorities for us. He's the one that sets the path that our lives go on. As I was saying in, in worship, you know, we have a choice. And that choice is His control or us staying in control. And the more we want to stay in control, the more miserable we'll be following, trying to follow Jesus the more difficult it will be, the more, the more we will struggle in our walk with him because we're trying to control it. But the more we're willing to surrender to his ways, to do things by his word, to do things by his example, to, to allow ourselves to be transformed, you know, by the renewing of our minds. We looked at a number of different scriptures over this last month We are looking at, you know, we've covered three main principles so far, and we're covering the last one today. We covered the fact that Jesus died to set us free from sin, death, fear, and shame in order to establish us in freedom so that we can live and love as God's glorious children. What Jesus did at the cross, it was done. He once and for all conquered sin. He once and for all conquered death. We've been set free. You know, we've been set free. You should be happy about that. Yeah. You know, we've been set free. Let's give them a shout for that. Like, yeah, we're free. Right? Then we talked about the fact that freedom is very personal, right? You know, my freedom is my freedom. I've been set free. I can't get set free on your behalf. You can't get set free on my behalf. Your freedom isn't, you know, well, I attend church and because other people around me are set free, that makes me free. It is a thing, it's a relationship between you and Jesus. You either accept this gift or you don't. No one else can accept it for you. You know, it's you and Him where that freedom comes from. So it's very personal. But while it's personal, it cannot be self-centered. The very gift that we have been given by Christ, you know, we receive it by making him our Lord. By him being our Lord, you know, scripture describes us as dying. You know, our old self dies. It's crucified along with Christ. Our old self, our old ways, they die. It means the ninety seven percent of other people around us that are living for, you know, for the priorities of the world, they can no longer be our priorities. Our, our, our priorities die with our worldly ways. Our passions and the, the things of this world are, are the things that we would go after. They need to die so that Christ can live as our king. That he can truly be our king. You know, We've been given this freedom. We've been set free from sin and death so that we may present ourselves to the Lord as willing sacrifices, surrendered and ready to serve. Like we talked about, it talks about in Scripture, that true worship, true worship is a life surrendered to Him. You know, that our lives become willing sacrifices. A willing sacrifice, it's like, I am choosing. Another way it describes it in Scriptures is we become bond servants, which is servants by choice. We have freedom, but it's it's an incredible thing that that freedom comes by a choice to be a servant of our king we serve our king from a position of a royal priesthood a priesthood of all believers we are brothers and sisters of christ we share in the inheritance of the kingdom but our agendas our our life it becomes surrendered to him his ways you know we become surrendered and ready to serve. It's like, Lord, my life is yours. What do you want me to do with it? And when I say, what do you want me to do with it? It's not from a perspective of, oh my goodness, you know, well, I should give up my job. I should change everything. We see over and over in Scripture where, where Paul writes and he, he'll say in the New Testament, just saying to people, like, look, now that you've received Christ, do, keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's not that you need to now stop working or stop, you know, things. You, you continue on the path that you're on, but with Christ. And Christ may change that path. He may call you in a different direction. He may call you into a different thing, but do what's before you. So when I say that we surrender to him as servants, it's not that it's like, okay, well, now my whole day needs to be in full-time ministry in the sense that I give up my job and go look for a job in the church. Your day is in full time ministry, but your full time ministry is in your workplace. It's in your family. It's in your neighborhood. It's, it's in your city. Everywhere you go is your ministry. Everywhere you go. That is the reality of a serving Jesus. It means that, you know, in our workplaces, our priority becomes our King's priority. So we work onto Him. It's, it's an incredible thing. And then we talked last week about that freedom and responsibility are inseparable. We experience true freedom as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of self-control and use our freedom to bless others. We were looking at scripture last week there was time about the fact that you know everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial. We have this freedom we're no longer living by the law. We're also no longer living by the licentiousness of this world. We have this narrow path that we walk, the path of our king, the path of Jesus, the path of surrender. It's the only one. You know, it's the only way that we, are, we, that we can walk as followers of him if we have made him our king. You know, it's a life surrendered to him. So we have a responsibility that freedom comes with responsibility for each and every one of us. And it's how I said in the first couple of weeks, if, if we don't want that, we don't want to be Christians. You know, if we're not willing to accept the responsibility, the surrender, the Jesus and only Jesus, if we want Jesus plus anything else, You know, if we want Jesus plus our old life, Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus living for the flesh, Jesus plus sin, Jesus plus um, you know whatever other god you want or idol you want to add to it, it ain't going to work. It doesn't work. It'll be frustrating. It'll be miserable, and fruitless. It's just Jesus. So we have this responsibility as his children to reflect him to the world. We have a responsibility to fulfill the great commission that he's given for each and every one of us. Our role and responsibility in this world. The one thing that we can say that we have, if you're like, what's the purpose of my life? It's to go and make disciples. And to teach people to obey everything that he commanded. That is the one thing that you can never question. You're like, oh, Jesus, I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. Your your job is to go and make disciples. You know, that's what he's given every one of us. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents that we'll use in that regard. We all do it from a different way. We have different spheres of influences. But we all have a responsibility to make disciples. Every one of us. Every single one of us. And we have a responsibility to live surrendered to him surrender to Him. And we read in Scripture about not biting and devouring one another, because that's from the flesh, but living from the Spirit. We are talking about this responsibility. We are talking about the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When we live that narrow path, when He is truly our King, when we are allowing Him to be in control, the only thing that can be produced in our life when He's in control is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. If those aren't in our life, He's not in control. When you're operating outside of those things, It's the flesh or the enemy. It's not him. It's not him. And so today, we're going to wrap up by talking about the fact that we have a responsibility to partner with the Holy Spirit to continually develop the foundation of our character. So our character can support our growing influence and anointing. you know so much happens in church today we talked a bit about this last week but when we don't understand this reality that we're to partner with the holy spirit so that the character of our character can get changed so that the character of Christ is formed within us then we just live a fleshly experience. It happens within the church. It happens outside of the church. And it's why Christians have such a terrible name. A lot of the quote-unquote persecution that happens today simply happens because Christians refuse to live the narrow path. And so we don't represent our king. We, live, we represent world standards with Jesus or Christian culture stamped on it. People are not getting persecuted or, or a bad name because of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self control on their lives. They're getting persecuted, quote unquote, because they're trying to fight with the world standards and trying to get worldly rewards, and it doesn't work. It never works. And so we then end up with these counter things that happen you know outside the problem is if we don't understand how to receive from Jesus then the fruits of the spirit can't actually get produced in our lives because we don't produce them by by striving you know we don't produce them by our own efforts we produce them by surrender we produce them by surrender so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures today. I'm going to tell a couple of stories, and uh, I'm probably going to go a couple minutes over. Let's go to two Peter one, verses, uh, two Peter one verse one. We're going to read from one to eleven. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen, but it's always great when you can go back to your Bible and know where it is, or your phone, or wherever you use. So it starts out, you know, it says, Simon Peter, he identifies himself, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So he's saying, look, he's writing this letter to those that have received Jesus He says grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of god and of jesus christ our lord this word we translate knowledge it means intimately knowing this isn't just of okay i'm aware of jesus i've heard of jesus i read about jesus He's saying grace and peace is yours in abundance through your intimate relationship and and intimate understanding of Jesus uh, and of God and Jesus our Lord. This first thing of us being able to receive this peace and joy from God is intimacy with Him. It comes from prayer, not where we have a list of things we're praying to him for, but prayer where we sit back and we allow him to speak to us. Where we allow God's word to become, where we allow the words on the page of the Bible to become alive. And the living word, Jesus Christ, the living word, Jesus Christ, his character to be formed in us the fruits of the spirit to grow because we are abiding in him it's that place where we know that our what he's done for us where we're completely secure in our salvation that place where we know that he is greater than anything in this world that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him so we can trust him with our lives We can trust Him with the outcome of things at work. We can trust Him with the outcome of things in our family. We can trust Him with the outcome of situations that we're facing. When we give them to Him and go, Lord, I I don't know what to do. You show me what to do. You show me what to pray. How do I partner that Your will would be done in this? In verse 3, He says talking about Jesus, He says His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through, again, our intimacy, our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. We didn't come to Jesus because He was a taskmaster. We didn't come to Jesus because He stood over us with a whip. We've come to Jesus because he's good. And I'm assuming you gave your life to Christ because you're like, you tasted and see, it says in scripture, you tasted and saw the Lord is good. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't want my life without him. Why would I want to live my life without Jesus? There's nothing else that would make sense. There's no other source of joy. There's no other source of peace. There's nothing else that satisfies that's, that's where like, a, a intimacy with Him comes from, is a recognition that Him and Him alone is what satisfies. Him and Him alone That's the source of joy and peace. It's that which calls us into relationship with Him. And it's through these things, this goodness, this grace, that He's given us his, his very great and precious promises. So that through them... You may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. understand how powerful that is. It says that when we have this intimate relationship with Jesus, we are participating in the divine nature of God. In John 17, Jesus prays and says, Lord, may they be one with us as we are one. The Holy Spirit... God Himself comes and dwells within us. We do not become gods. But we get plugged in. Grace is powerful. We get plugged into that divine nature so that the very one that created the universe is able to come in and shape our character. The very one, as we surrender in peace to Him, He's able to come in and, and start molding and shaping our soul. He's able to change us. He's able to deliver us, as we had testimonies of today, to set us free from things that may have plagued us for years. Why? Because we've surrendered to Him, and we've let Him in. We've made Him Lord, and then we participate. We can't, outside of Jesus, there's only one way to the Father, He tells us. It's only Him. There's no other way, there's no actually other way to experience this peace. There's no other way to experience this joy. Everything else is counterfeit. But so many Christians live without it. So many of us live on this treadmill of life and this treadmill of activity and this treadmill, it can even be religious activity in church or all kinds of things and we're busy striving, but we're not abiding. In him. We're not going to Him and allowing Him to change our souls. Him to bring us peace. We don't get to abide in His divine nature because we don't slow down enough to do so. We don't let Him be the Prince of Peace of our lives. And thus, We constantly live still corrupted by the evil desires of the world. And we we fight these internal battles. And we all do it. I have them. You have them. But I tell you, the more I've learned to abide in God, the more the, the evil desires of the world, they go away. The more that they're overpowered By God's goodness and grace. By His character in my life. And so I'd say to you. That if the things of this world. Or the desires of the flesh. Are strong in you. Let it be an indicator. I need to slow down and go and spend some time with God. I need to make some adjustments in my life. So that. He can be the one in focus and that his ways would become my ways. Verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. Make every effort now we can read that. It's like, I've got to strive. You know, I'm going to study five hours today and I'm going to get down and pray in tongues for an hour and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Yeah, read your word. Study your word so that this truth can come out. Study study the Bible. Study the Scripture. So that you really know what it's saying. Do it quietly with the Holy Spirit, not rushed, so that it really can. Pray in tongues, for sure. Take, do that. Paul says he did it more than anybody else. And developing that intimacy with God. Pray. Abide. Be with Him. So that... Goodness, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and godliness gets formed in your life. That must be the outcome. And so we just need to slow down. We need to slow down and be with him. We've got to take the time to be like, God, actually, you need to overshadow me. Your perspective, your ways, they need to be most important in my life. And right now, I'm not reflecting them, so I need to get back to a place where I can reflect them. I need to take the time to be with you. And I realize sometimes our lives are incredibly busy and we can't slow down. You're like, I don't know how to slow down. But that's where we put these principles in place. Again, we don't follow the Sabbath as a law. You know, it doesn't have to be this only one specific day of a week and there's not a punishment for not doing it. But there's a wisdom in having a day where you slow down. Yeah. There's such a wisdom of having a day where it's okay. This is a day I'm just, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to spend time with family, spend time with friends. But most importantly, I'm going to spend some time with God that day. Just allow Him to really reflect. So that on those busy days, you've got a dwell to draw from. You've got something to draw from if life does get too busy in the week. But ideally, in the busyness of the week as well, you are setting aside and prioritizing time with Him and allowing Him to truly be in control. After perseverance and godliness, it says add mutual affection, and then after mutual affection, add love. Like we've said through this whole series, we need one another. We need one another. You cannot walk out Christianity alone. It is not about a personal relationship with you and God and not a relationship with one another. We need one another. In verse 8, it says, If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Then says in nine, whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed by their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, so if, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We confirm our calling and election by the fruits of spirit being produced in our lives, by the things that Peter just wrote about, of godliness, goodness, perseverance, mutual affection, love, faith, those being produced in our lives. That's what confirms our calling. It's like in John, he writes, it's like, well, whoever, you know, the way you know you're saved is you live like Jesus did. It's that simple. The way... That our security doesn't come from a prayer. Our security comes from the mark of the Holy Spirit on our lives and the fruit that gets produced by that, not by our striving or effort, but that happening. Our assurance is Jesus. What he's done on the cross, the way we know we know him, is that we obey his commands. It doesn't mean we get them perfect. It doesn't say you will perfectly obey my commands and never sin because you're back under the law. It's that your goal and your priority is to live His way, to produce the fruits of the Spirit, to live in a way that's totally surrendered to Him. I'm going to go through these scriptures quickly because we are out of, running out of time. I am going to go a bit over because I want to wrap this up today. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3, As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offered salvation to all people, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace is powerful. The same grace that saves us empowers us to live like Jesus. So if we only know, if we don't know grace and we're trying to live under the law, we're not living that narrow road. If we're loving grace, but living self-centered lives with the same priorities as all our neighbors in the world, ah, we're not following Jesus either. There's one narrow way. One narrow way that our freedom's been given to us. It's like, you will be free if you walk this path. This is where freedom lies. Freedom comes within boundaries and responsibilities. You know, it's a bit of a provocative, um, intentionally, you know, example, but you know, we won the, a number of years ago, sometime in the last 20 years, women in Ontario won the right to walk around topless. You, you know, all the men and women in here we could come with no shirts, but we'd probably all agree it's probably not the wisest decision. We have the freedom, but responsibility tells us we're not going to do that. Can say Paul as he would write, say, like, well, you know, yeah, people are like, well, I'm free. I can do this. I'm free to do this. Yeah, is it helpful? What is the fruit that that our actions come from? Because no one wants to know a Jesus that looks just like the world. That's the truth. I'm going to use an example. I only have time for one thing, but it's just a relevant one because it's on the, in the news. It may even be front page news. It was on my news feed this morning. We can't fight the way the world does. There was a protest, a march in Toronto yesterday that's been labeled a Christian march, and there were people, Christian people that were part of it. You know, marching for, quote-unquote, their right for free speech. And to do that, they were going to march through the gay village in Toronto to declare that they have the right to walk down there and do and whatever they want. They can proclaim Jesus. They can do this. They didn't get to. Their march got directed, and it's in response to someone getting arrested for standing on a street corner in the middle of the gay village with a loudspeaker preaching the gospel. We have in this country the right... Of freedom of religion you know, and the freedom of speech. And so from a standpoint of human rights, person was well within their rights. I don't know anywhere in Scripture that it tells us to fight for our legal human rights. It tells us to fight for love. It tells us to live a quiet and simple life. It tells us to pray for our authorities in heaven. But it doesn't tell us to protest and these subtle things i'll be honest with you my opinion james's opinion i think satan was behind that march and he got people well-intentioned people that i believe love jesus to play right into his hand so that the front page news makes christians look terrible and this has been happening over and over and over you know in for the last however many years particularly in the us You know where without love we have nothing and there's absolutely nothing loving about forcing our freedom of speech on people there's nowhere you know Paul would go into a synagogue that he had full right to be in and would go and share something and they would kick him out he didn't come back and fight for his right to do it again He didn't lead Christians in a protest through the Jewish quarter because they need to hear his message. He dusted off his feet and moved on. We, as people, as children of God, are supposed to be dead to the world. It's even dead to our rights. And we don't like that because we like control. We like to know we can be in control. That if you do this to me, I can do this back to you. It tears apart society, it tears apart churches. Yeah, you know, heard a story this week of a church, I'm going to keep it incredibly vague, but church somewhere in the GTA where a new pastor came in and the people were so divided. They were having such factions. And he just is like, this is ridiculous. We should be united. We should be loving one another. And you're fighting with one another like this. This is ridiculous. And so he just is like, you know, you guys think this, you guys think this. I'm going to make the call. This is the way we're going. And someone in the church on the side that didn't get what they want set the church on fire. If I can't have it my way, I'm going to burn this thing down. People in church. And you think, man, that's ridiculous. But if you listen, if you ever pay attention to U.S. Christian news, it's nuts what people do in the name of Jesus. You know, in churches, to one another. And it's probably a global problem. Why? Because we celebrate a Christian culture without a king. He's got to be our king. He has got to be our king. And the test of our actions has got to be. Is this coming out of the flesh or the fruits of the Spirit? The flesh or the fruits? You know? That's got to be in our homes. It's got to be in our church. It's got to be in our workplaces. It's got to be in everything we do. Every interaction that we have should be tested through, should be re-examined through the fruits of the Spirit, should be re-examined through the list like we read in Peter, and going, what am I doing? Is it actually producing? What is it producing? Because no one's going to be thrilled with you for being right but unloving. No one's going to be won to Jesus because you know the truth and you're hammering it on them. No one's going to be led to Jesus by us marching in the streets, you know, fighting for our right, for our freedom to speak. But the society will be changed by us being the salt and, the, and letting our light shine. The salt being the preservative that our lives, that people would look at our lives and go, I can't, I can't fault you. I don't like what you stand for. I don't don't like what you believe. I don't don't believe in God. And and actually, I'm kind of offended by you being around me because it makes me uncomfortable because, you know, you won't do this, you won't do that, you won't do the other thing. But I can't lay blame with how you treat me. I can't lay blame with how you are. That's the responsibility that comes with our freedom. We are called to be a light to this world, and we cannot be a light to this world if we are trying to be like the world, fighting with the world's tools, doing things the world's way. We change the world by following the example of our Savior, as opposed to fighting for our rights, picking up our cross and following Him. Picking up our cross and following Him. We are this amazing chosen people And you can change this world. You will change this world if he is your king. If he is your king. But until he is, until he is, until you will surrender, it'll be a bit frustrating. But let that frustration just simply motivate you to make him your king. To make him your king. If Christianity isn't working for you the way you think it should, ask yourself, "Am I trying to get the world and God too?" And if that's, and that could be problem one, and just ask, "Is he my king?" Because if he's not your king, it's never going to work. It's it's never going to work. Let me pray. Lord. We want to be a free and responsible people. I thank you that you took the punishment for all sin. That we, as your children, have freedom. We're free from the chains of sin and death. We have no fear in death. We don't have fear from sin. That because of what Jesus has done, you'll never reject us. We want to produce the fruits of your spirit in our lives. We want to live Jesus the way you did. We we want you to be our king. Lord, as we surrender to you, just allow those things to be produced in our lives. Allow them to come about. It's, it's, It's funny I say that, God. It's like as if you wouldn't allow them. Help us, Lord, to to see that it's only in doing those things that we allow you to truly produce the fruit you want to produce in our lives we get to control that we control our surrender or our lack of surrender and in that in that your spirit grows and produces the fruit that leads us to true joy and true peace Where we experience the benefits of your kingdom. Hmm. It's been on my mind all day today, so I'll share, say it with you. It's from my growing up Catholic. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, (laughs) and also with you. Yeah. Peace, you know. Thank you. But what an amazing statement that if we understand and it's not a ritual, man, may the peace of God be with all of you as you go about this week in everything, and in every way. Amen. There is an amazing group of people over here to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, healing, a word, any encouragement, whatever you need prayer for, they're there. Please utilize them. Coffee, cookies, snacks at the back. And, uh, and don't forget to get your children. Have a great day.